go. So I saw a French comedian the other day um, show up on Netflix, like a little preview. And I got to tell you that French comedy is not funny. Huh. Yeah. I mean, it was in French and... And it, it, his delivery, uh, it was just boring to me. It was just like, and it, I know that sounds really racially ignorant, but <laughs> it just it, it 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 didn't it didn't roll off the tongue. My mother dreams in French. Yes. Yeah. Is that kinky or? No, she just dreams in French. Okay. Like people will speak French, and she understands it. Huh. Like because her mother is French. Uh huh. And from what I understand. Like when she was younger, like her mother would speak to her in French. Yeah. But my mom can't speak it. She she can read it. Uh-huh. In some cases, she's pretty fluent in it, and she can understand it. Yeah. But she can't talk it. So and and this connects. So a couple of nights ago, I when I was sleeping, I had a dream, and it is very specific because people were talking to me in French. <laughs> And it wasn't like it wasn't like I was having conversations. It was like one specific person was talking to me in French. Yeah. And everybody else was talking English. And like I understood what they were saying. Yeah. You could break it down. No, I understood like fluently what they the fuck they were flew saying. Right through you. Yeah. Like it was just a normal second language, right? Yeah. And like I woke up and I'm like and and my brain's like repeating these phrases. These I mean literally I mean these are real French phrases and I'm like what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And you were speaking in French, <laughs> kissing? No, I was just speaking. I, I was just going through it. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, I've forgotten most of it by now. You know, je ne sais quoi, blah 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 blah, right? And it, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But but it wasn't just it wasn't French. just like the catchphrases, you know. Um, it was it was you know the, the the phrases that we've all learned in French. They were literally like saying, "Hey, how are you doing today?" You know, yeah. and what's going on, and what are we going to go do, and let's go do this, and let's go do that. Would you like to share a croissant? Yeah, and 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 it was it was conversational French. Yeah, and I understood everything that they were saying. And then I wake up and I'm like, Do I know French? <laughs> no, I know karate. <laughs> I know kung fu. And and I thought that was fucking weird. The first thing I thought of was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ! I'm turning to my mother. <laughs> You know, what I, you know what I have to say about that? No. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that ever ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. I am Joe Spiegel. Mike Sutherland. Who is not French. I'm not I French. I am. I'm not French. I am French. Yeah, you're a fucking, you're a frog. I am um, French-Canadian. All right, so this is Joe Indian. and the Froggy Fuck. Scottish, Irish, <laughs> Italian. Yeah, we're all mutts, aren't we? <laughs> we're not pure Aryan, are we? <laughs> I can trace my lineage of Scott back to 680, mm-hmm. which is pretty fucking impressive. You are one beautiful Caucasian. 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 Yes. Em- oh, we're not talking about that. Emphasis right. on the Asian. So uh, this is our Ready Player One episode. <laughs> 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 nice motioning there. Uh, we'll talk about that fine film and whatever uh, French things pop into our heads. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, whatever so, fucking tangents so we go So don't fuck this one up. Take it away. Frenchy. Are you that I was going to you were going to say Jacques or I didn't I I, I wanted to yeah Pepe <laughs> take it away Jacques Jean Jacques <laughs> three hours later <laughs> I love that voice every time it like I I don't care to watch SpongeBob anymore but if it's on and every time it cuts to one of those twenty minutes later I, I love it I just I have to stop and listen to it yeah that's uh <laughs> that's uh. 
So it's Tom Kenny doing his <laughs> his fucking cool. Gary. Yeah, and the the mayor from um, Powerpuff Girls. Mm-hmm. The Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> Girls. It's funny because when you watch um uh what was it the Bob and Dave. Um, the show they used to do together back in on HBO in like the '90s, and Tom Kenny was on there as a character, you know, as as an actor, and you you just hear his voice, and you're like, oh yeah, that's, you know who the fuck that is. It's weird, man. They always start from somewhere. It's like you you're not just a comedic genius right from the you know right out of the gate. You're morphing, right? Just like listening to Patton Oswalt 20 years ago to Patton Oswalt now. Not really. The devil's name Peaches. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show where hapless players collect points to win the big trip to you know where. Let's meet tonight's guest. Let's meet tonight's guest. This is a fat yellow cow with green hair who said he'd do anything to be on television. Please welcome Pepper I wonder what makes that noise. That's Tom Kenny. That's not Tom Kenny. Pepper Wolf is Tom Kenny. Listen, listen to the voice. Let's begin the game. Yes. Category, please. I'll take food for one point, Peaches. All right. Listen carefully. Dude. This is this meat product when ground. This is like the all American your kids hamburger. on like all the sugary cereals all at Are once while watching this kind of shit. <laughs> Just insanity. I'm sorry. The answer we were looking for is beef. I never knew that. <laughs> <laughs> that and that's why I like Rocco's Modern Life because Tom Kenny <laughs> plays Heifer. And Heifer is fucking insane, <laughs> and and then they have the other the other character named Filbert, who's a turtle. You know, he's kind of like Eeyore, and um, yes, the entire uh, the, those two characters just really make the entire show. Yeah, you know, you know, you have the big heads. You know, uh, Ed and Bev, big head. Yeah, you know, um, voiced by Charlie Adler. It was funny when Rocco's Modern Life was out. I was uh, hanging out with my friends a lot more outside when I was a teenager, and uh, but I do remember playing the game on the Super Nintendo. And of course, my favorite character of all time. Lesson one: A whistle is achieved by forcing air through the pucker organs located under the nose. Hey, you mean the lips? Oh, lips, pucker organs, whatever. Pucker organs. Hey, is this really a movie? And so, in Cow and Chicken, he plays the devil. But in the first episode, they called him the devil, and then they had to change it to the red guy because of censors. Yeah. But he also does the voice of Chicken, and he does the voice of Cow. He does all three of those voices. His tail is flopping like a porno. Yeah, it's supposed to. <laughs> Kind of like whistling, don't you think? Kind of like whistling, don't you think? Um, 
God, it sounds like one of my lift passengers. There, there, there's a, there's a actual episode called the Asvipe Tribe. <laughs> Asvipe. Cow and Chicken did an episode called Asvipes. They now, didn't call them asswipes. They I called have, them Asvipes. So is that as clever to you as the cunt thing from Family Guy? More, because they said it like a hundred times. Yeah. And they got away with it. And they got away with it. And yeah. and they're all a bunch of dumbasses. Yeah. Cow chicken. Why are you eating like that? We gotta get big and strong by today's show. Big and strong. The tryouts. My sucker. Oh, I broke my spleen! <laughs> <laughs> I broke my spleen! Sumo wrestling. Boop track. Which of you is next? I just got Mr. lower back hair. Fuck! Why you gonna be here, cow wrestling eightful little girls? Yeah. Wrestling eightful little girls. Today is a big match between our school and our arch enemies. One of you. I will get into Ready Player One, but are we? Are we? Because <laughs> cow. Flam here is modeling a pair of powder blue pooties. Walk, walk, turn. Cut for comfort and style for maneuverability. 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 <laughs> Steps on it. Cow! You are our new star wrestler! Hey, why should get to be the wrestler? Chicken, here's <laughs> And I thought that... Why the, should get to be the wrestler? I can't I, do it. I thought that the first time I saw an animated cow that was portrayed as a guy was Barnyard. And uh, apparently I'm wrong, because look at Rocco's Modern Life. Or, I'm sorry, Cow and Chicken. And there's a fucking male cow, but he's got udders. Yeah, well, she, this is not a male cow. That's a female cow. Well, when it talks, it sounds like a male. No. Cow is female. Well, well why is it when cow talks, it sounds like it's a dude? dude? Because it's a dude that's doing the voice, but it's not. That's a big fucking smile. I've got to use some Tic Tacs just in case I start kissing her. You know I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a man. I have no just idea kiss. what the fuck is this. And when you're... <laughs> It all started when I was about nine. Nine. I was a boy. I didn't know pants were required at school. Oh, what a guest! My video daisies are gonna finish off you and your large sister! You can be the circus fat woman! Oh, glory! Something fat! Perhaps I'll try out my new fat oven, which I bought. And last but not least, a chicken and his fat sister cow! Alright, where's the patient? So, you're the fearless little lady then. But, uh, Dr. Lax Lax. In that case, you wouldn't mind if I put... Of all the voices... Charlie Adler is the reason why I want wanted to do voiceover. Yeah. Um, because of the red guy. Yeah. 
<laughs> and and how fucking crazy he was. As much as I love Chuck Jones and 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 all these other guys, Charlie Adler was the guy that could do multiple voices and make them sound so horrifically dumb. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, you I mean you <laughs> when you're doing voices there's always a baseline. There's always your voice. Yeah. Okay. And your inflections and everything else. And then when when you go and you do another voice, whether it's Popeye or yeah. Bugs Bunny or whatever you can do, you always know, like for Billy West, yeah. you know, when he does his voices, you know it's Billy West. It yeah, doesn't matter if a little if it's, bit of a, yeah, because there's a highness in there. Yeah, it doesn't matter, what, again, because he's done Popeye and he's done a bunch yeah. of others. You can always tell that there's a baseline to that voice. The same with... um. um you know who's only baseline and no like like actual variation is just fuck TJ Miller. He's the same voice no matter what he does. Yeah, it's, yeah. he can do higher or lower, but he's still it's still TJ Miller no matter and, what. And, and he's not the only one. There's a couple of them that Seth do Rogen. the same. Yeah, there's there's a couple of them, but <laughs> Seth Rogen doesn't do voices. Um, when I'm talking about specific voices. Yeah. Um, characters actually instead of just being themselves. Yeah, and like yeah. Mark Hamill. Yeah, like when you These watch characters. Yeah, when you watch when you watch anything that Mark Hamill does a voice of, you know it's Mark Hamill. Yeah, because you can tell, and and he has like a range of like five voices. Yeah. Really, is what it is, and and he, but like the skips one is like the extreme voice. Yeah, and then hmm. you have unicorns, and yeah, and then you have you have his his normal old gruff guy, yeah. and then you have the Mark Hamill voice, yeah. and then you have the Joker voice. Holly, yeah, and then. And then you have Kevin Michael Richardson, mm-hmm. who has like I didn't know Kevin Michael Richardson <laughs> did Lester Crinklesack. Which one is that one? The white guy on Cleveland Show. Okay, yeah, I didn't know he did that voice, and he can do. I mean, there it is, Lester Crinklesack. <laughs> hey, Cleveland. Oh, sorry, I thought you were someone else. That's all right. Oh wait, there's Cleveland. <laughs> hey, Cleveland. Oh, my bad. Oh, there he is. Cleveland. Damn, there are so many of you people here. You Too many you people. people. You know, <laughs> you're all a bunch of... <laughs> That's just him talking to himself, pretty much. Yeah. Now, I wonder if, oh, they, if they do that Hold all, like, then. if he does that all in one take on his York. own, or he has Please to keep doing listen. each voice individually, and then they just, then they just mix them all together. Um, once in a while, they'll, they'll do it separately, but... You, generally, they do it all together. Yeah, to get it out of the way. Yeah. So if it's if it's multiple takes of the same, as long like as they're when, not talking at the same time. When Cleveland is talking to Rilo, yeah, you know, it's it's Mike Henry doing Mike Henry. Yeah. Right, Mike Henry on Mike Henry, and um, sorry. <laughs> Why do you read text when we're fucking talking? Because I got so distracted by my friend just just texted me and said a black guy named Jason came into the store tonight totally made me think of you which means that I've been equated as being a black guy which means that I am in the cool group yeah it means you got soul I, yeah I got I, I know I, I've I got had, fucking soul I've had passengers you know like like go damn you know like I, I didn't know you could move like that I go yeah I got I got a uh, I got hood points <laughs> and they go, what is that? I'm going to use that. They go, Damn, you got, you, I got hood points. Yeah, you go, you go, you go, you got hood points. I go, yeah, I grew up in that shit, man. I, I, you know, I, I know, I know the line, and I don't go over that line. I, I know how much soul I can exhibit, 
and how much looks like you're just a white dude trying too hard. Yeah, exactly. If if yeah. you're if you're a jerk off white guy that's yeah. just trying to get in with the with the black crowd. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. And you're just trying to act cool. Yeah. And what's up, homies? Yeah. Hey, guys. How are ya? <laughs> I'm so down. It, yeah. You know. Hey. <laughs> hey, my n words. Oh God. You know. <laughs> I've got. <laughs> That's a, where you hear the record skip. <laughs> I, I actually I got a story about that, but <laughs> um, it's it's not important right now because we're. <laughs> We're fucking recording. No, don't give a shit. It's uh, fucking conversational. Let's do it. I, I know it's conversational, but it's not important right now. Yeah. And and I've never had I've never had issues. It doesn't matter if you're if you're gang member, you know, black, white, Chinese, Mexican, whatever. It didn't matter. Zimbabwean. Yeah, it, because I just I was just you know yeah I got along yeah I didn't care yeah no judgment right mm-hmm. I'm gonna go do this all right bro see you later. And that, but that's just me talking. Yeah, and I, I don't like throwing around bro because bro is. I, I just said bro right now. Well, because bro can sound douchey at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> bro is douchey, but I use I, I you know yeah. when when I say bro, I think like, it's how I, you I, say, I say it, think it's how you say it. That's how you know if it's douchey or not. I, I only say it to certain people. Yeah, like my brother, you, a couple of other close yeah. friends. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, don't. Dude, if you want to just come out and just start doing the whole Hogan thing and just go, "Hey, brother. Yeah. <laughs> See you later, brother." I, and I'll do that. <laughs> and I caught myself doing that. Like it's for me, it yeah. slips out. Yeah. Like if like when I'm hanging out with with white people, or whatever, I don't say brother. Yeah. But like if I say if I see a black guy, I'll be like, hey, "Okay, brother." <laughs> and and it, I'm not saying it as you're 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 my brother, you know the the black guy version yeah, of brother. Yeah, I was like, okay, brother, brother man, brother man. It just comes out, and I and yeah. I started recognizing that. I'm like, am I doing this on purpose? Yeah, you're doing your, that's your get out racism. Or am I doing this because he's black? Yeah, that's your that's your subtle get out style um wh- um you know white racism where you're like it's like the unintentional white racism right and you don't was, even know you're doing it but it wasn't it wasn't un- unintentional racism at all it was just something that i have i've always said that uh-huh. to almost everybody yeah but predominantly to black people and i had caught myself mm-hmm. and i'm like i only in 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 the last last 10 years i only said that to Predominantly black people uh-huh. f- to make myself look cooler in in in, in my in my yeah. opinion, and I went. I, I, I'm going to step back and see if it's an intentional thing that I'm doing, uh-huh. and then I caught myself doing it. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it would slip out, and I would try not, and I would specifically try not to. Yeah, but it was an auto. It, it, I had been doing it for so long. Yeah. It's auto. Like I didn't even notice I was doing it until after I had said it. I'm like motherfucker. <laughs> and then I realized that I have been saying that to everybody all along. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm hanging out and somebody's like, "Oh man, this and that." And the other thing, I'm like, "No, bro, no, okay, brother." So it's you, okay. so it's okay, brother. what it is then is that you just didn't realize that you you just thought because you only noticed it when you said it to black people. Correct. That's why. Okay. Yeah. But you you've been saying it the whole time. Yeah, and and I was just like, okay, I got to make sure that I'm just not. Yeah, because you're watching what you're saying when you're around black people because you don't want to say the wrong thing, right? Because society is no. putting pressure on you. Where no, you don't want to say the wrong thing. No, 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 no. I, I don't worry about that stuff. I worry. I worried about specifically just using the word brother around to say have a nice day to yeah. black people. All right, brother. See you later. You know, have a good day, brother. Yeah. And and I would wa- I would I'd make sure, and then I realized that 
I'm not doing it that way. Yeah. I'm just recognizing it when I say it to black people because I think it's being racist. Yeah. And then, like, I talk to all of my friends like that, like, when they're when, when yeah. they say something like, oh, man, this and that, I'm sorry for doing this. I'm like, don't worry, brother, brother. Hey, I call, it's all good. I call my kids niggas. Yeah, well. <laughs> I'll call on the phone sometimes. I'll say, what's, I'll go, what's up, nigga? <laughs> it's, my, it's not just racist. Keep, just keep saying it. It's, it's, it's not racist because it's my kids. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yeah, and it I, and absolutely I, is. No, because I didn't, I didn't err it. I didn't put the angry ER on the end of it. I don't. The Anyways, that's why. Yeah, that's the angry version. Yeah, I, 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 just, I, I disagree. It's completely racist, but you're doing it with the kids. <laughs> um, Racism is what you feel in your heart. Look, look, I, I to each his own. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying. What, I would never say it in front of other people because that, you know, because something. That's because you're a pussy. No, no, you are. No, I'm considerate of other people because my brother would do that. I. Well, <laughs> Your brother didn't give a fuck, man. That's true. Okay, I do it because I'm. But he would do it to his own kids in yeah. public. <laughs> See, I'm just I I I am considerate of other people's feelings. Yeah, there is uh there there is um growing up here in Sacramento, it's quite oh, yeah. north of Sacramento. Yeah, and not many black people went to Placer High School. Mm-hmm. And when my brother did, um, one of his friends was black, and he's a big guy, yeah. big, like a fo- fucking football player, right? And um, the black guy was like fucking around with everybody. Yeah. And Mark walked up, and he he gave Mark this angry look or whatever. And and Mark went, you know, what's up, N word? And I'm not gonna say the word. I don't need to. Okay, I, I just <laughs> want to make sure because I didn't know if you if he actually said the word N word. <laughs> no, he said the word. Okay. Like full on, full angry er, full angry er, <laughs> right? <laughs> and and the guy started, and, and Mark just stood there. And and the guy and everybody's like, oh my god, he just said that. Fuck. And and he and he like he did the you know the clasp and and hugged him and and everything else. Yeah. Like, what up, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's like, what the fuck just happened in this world? <laughs> to yeah. fuck with people, they did it to fuck. With people. Yeah, yeah, they did it yeah. to fuck with people. But Mark would do that. He he yeah. didn't care. Uh, for the most part, he really didn't because you know he he didn't he didn't. Um, he didn't do it on purpose, mm-hmm. but you know he he didn't he didn't go out to make enemies or anything else. Yeah. Like he was just like that fucking guy. He was he, he's one of those guys similar to me where it didn't matter. You're hanging out with people. It doesn't matter what race, color, creed, sex, whatever else, yeah. disability, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Especially if they're on their knees in front of you. If, if <laughs> will you shut the fuck up and and. It was just a, it was just a fucking accepted part of, of who we are. You know, it, it didn't matter. It was, it was, it was. We're all the same color in the dark, honey. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I just licked the fucking microphone foam. So, anyways, good. That's that's fucking upper management telling <laughs> you to knock it off. Tastes like mediocrity. So we got Ready Player One. <laughs> Do we have fun with the with, with the Oz and the Ers, man? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. No, okay. Okay, racist. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, now I can. I get, okay, all right. So, um, when the creator of a virtual reality world called the Oasis dies, he releases a video in which he challenges all Oasis users to find his Easter egg, which will give the finder his fortune. I give you Ready Player One. This is the Oasis. 
There's a place where the limits of reality are your own imagination. People come to the Oasis for all the things they can do, but they stay because of all the things they can be. I'm here talking to all of you now because our future's being threatened. I just came here to escape, but I found something much bigger than myself. I found my friends. I found love. And now, people have lost their lives. No, 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 no. This is war. We're controlling the future. Welcome to the Rebellion, Wade. You don't tell anyone who you are. You can't use your real name. Hold on to something. This isn't just a game. I'm talking about actual life and death stuff. What's going on? The practice in my Mario Kart! Hold on! Are you willing to fight? Those three um, dots at the end yeah. were from Back to the Future and Back, Back to the Future Part 2. That's what those two, those three uh, notes are. <laughs> I, I, you know what's weird is I, I've seen that trailer, but I don't remember that, that over scene, the, the, the track that, the, you know, from Willy Wonka. Um, I don't recall that at all. I, I, it's weird that I heard it this time, but whatever. Like someone had changed the trailer. Um, really? Yeah. But um, you want to hear something funny? No. Until I actually did research on this movie after we saw it, I thought the whole time that the main character, you know... Um, Ezra? Uh, yeah, what, um, Wade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Par- Par- Parzival. Right. Right? I learned... I did not... I found out that he wasn't fucking baby from fucking Baby Driver <laughs> the whole time. I thought it's he... Ty Sheridan. I thought he was Ansel Els- or Elgord or whatever the fuck his name is from, from Baby Driver. And then when I'm doing the research, it said Ty Sharon. I'm like, what the fuck? And it's all, it's all um, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse and this other shit we've seen. And I'm like, oh, fucking idiot. And then I, I, saw, I looked at two pictures of them. And I'm like, oh, wait, they are. Uh, I think it's because they have the same lips or something. I don't fucking know what it is. <laughs> I don't know. Why am I looking at young men's lips? I don't fucking know. But um, I just. It doesn't even look the same. <laughs> Remember how I told you sometimes I have a problem with um, recognizing people? Like. Um, sometimes it takes a minute to register. Like after I've looked at them, I, I don't. Sometimes there's a, there's like a delay in recognizing someone. Like the people will usually recognize me way before I can recognize them. I mean, I know I have a very distinctive look, but you know what I mean, right? So, what is your impression of this movie before we get into it? Because I have a lot to say. I don't. I don't do impressions. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't do impressions. You know what? This movie is. Um, it's. I'm glad that it was done by Spielberg because I think this. If this had been done by many other directors, it wouldn't have hit the way that it hit because it's very familiar subject material. You know, with the storyline, with the characters. Um, you know, because you just take away all this future technology and all it is is like a rebellion. 
against, you know, the big bad evil corporation, right? Right. So um, what I like about it is that it, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to compare this to Pixels. Um, when Pixels used 80s references, it felt like a cheap punchline, a cheap joke. They weren't really honoring the source material. They were just using it to make a movie, right? It was cheap throwaway shit. But with this movie, it it like it, it's honoring its source material of all that eighties and nineties nostalgia, and it, it it uses it. It uses. I mean, you're constantly being inundated with it, but at the same time, it still doesn't feel like a cheap throwaway for the most part. It feels like it's using it for an important reason, and and that's what I like about the movie is is that main thing. But I will say this: there was one scene that made this entire movie. Like it, it brought it to an upper level for me because I, I fucking thoroughly enjoyed it. Was the shining scene? I absolutely, I was, I was just mesmerized by that whole fucking all, just the effort that was put into the the set design of it and all that stuff. It was just. I read a critics review and they didn't understand the shining scene and the fact that, like near the end of the shining scene, mm-hmm. where they're getting out of the maze. Yeah. And um, H is in there being attacked by these giant axes. Yeah. They couldn't understand what was going on. That's what a critic said. They're like, why is all this stuff happening with the giant axes and and attacking H and then they pull him out through a door? I'm like, are you (laughs) fucking kidding me? (laughs) It's part of the game. You know what? And this is what was weird about this whole shining scene is it felt like like they had done multiple different versions of this where this one was just the shining but then and they they did an alternate where it was some other movie reference or video game reference that they went into instead like what if they, what if there's different second act versions or second you know task versions of where they just did multiple different themes do you ever think of that no instead of their you know what i mean what if they did an aliens version also or they did like a fucking you know, I don't know. Just so something else, some other. You know, you mean like another take? Yeah. Instead of it being The Shining, they had to go into um, the. Are event. you talking about doing? I mean, are you talking about they actually did a take? Like alternate, of, like alternate scenes. Alternate takes. Yeah. Alternate. Yeah. Alternate. Yeah. Okay. And then so I, I could totally see like what if what if they had done this where in different theaters across the world or the country where. The, you, depending on where you are, you, this 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 city, this state, you see The Shining as that the would second be cool, act. yeah. And then in another state, you're you're I don't like know. they it, they take it, the most popular movie from yeah. that state or something, yeah. You know, and then they they and and then they recreated the scene for that state. Yeah. So it's not necessarily The Shining, but like you said, yeah. Each movie or each each state, not necessarily each cinema, but yeah. each state got a different version yeah. of that shining scene that the second key yeah it would just be it would be a completely different movie from but from those time periods so that it would it would have that that theme to it right, right. yeah i that, that that popped into my head like it felt like they could what if they did what if there's different ones where they had an idea where they were going to do not the shining but something else right now i i i I, lo- I read that part of the script was done by Ernest Klein. Right, Zach Penn and Ernest Klein both wrote yeah. the script. So I mean, that that kind of makes it seem a little more acceptable. The fact that, like, because how you said they changed so many things from the book, and they, I haven't, I still haven't read the book. They changed a lot from the book, but but by, by like ninety nine percent of it. Yeah, but by the fact that that the you know the uh, the author of the original book put his little stamp of approval by you know co writing the script, it kind of helps push it along. I think. Well, you know what, I, I want I want to ask you this because. You you know way more about the intricacies of the book because of all the the references it uses in that one, like Dungeons and Dragons related type type stuff, right? So, 
how, how do you what do you think about the changes? Because they turned all that from from that classic video game type stuff to being all the whole thing of of pop culture from those eras for this movie. You know what I mean? I was disappointed. Okay, and um, I was disappointed because I was ex- that what I was expecting and what I saw on the big screen are two completely different things. Uh-huh. Um, after reading the book, I, I saw the trailers. I'm like, fuck, I've got to read this because. You know, if Rush is so important to the movie and Rush is not going to be the only thing that's important to this movie and then they're playing the Van Halen song and I'm like, fuck, you know, one of my favorite bands, Yeah. you know, and they have a connection with Spielberg anyways, so I'm going to start reading through the book. So I read through the book and and I couldn't put it down. It was like fucking page turner and, uh, and it's a real fast read and... When I went and saw the movie, this is how it breaks down. So I'm gonna, I'm just gonna break it down. So in the book, Parzival is a character who's who is Wade Watts, okay? Yeah. And in the same same deal, you know, he was named after he, the reason why his dad, dad named him like that because superhero stuff, right? Got to have a cool identity, cool name. Yeah. You know, and he lives with his aunt um, in Oklahoma City, not in Ohio. Yeah. Okay. And they live in the stacks. Same thing. Poverty-stricken district constructed of trailer homes piled on top of each other. Um, and they're like intricate intricate buildings. Yeah, and it was a reference to uh, what video game? I can't remember. It was a classic video game. The stacks? Yeah, because Klein said in an interview, I, I watched one of the interviews about the movie, and he said that um, when he's talking about the novel that he No, had, that was a reference to a meme. No, nah, I'm talking about what I what he said in it. Fuck, man, he's talking. He's talking about all the references and and that's that's not a reference to a video game. The stacks are a reference to a meme that was from ten years ago, where you had a trailer stacked on top of another trailer stacked on top of another trailer, and it said like Redneck Heaven. That's what that's from. It's not a video game. To be continued. Burger time. Burger time. So, anyways. <laughs> all right. So. Yes, the uh, my favorite part of the entire film was the shining scene um, because it was so well done. They put so much effort into making it look as authentic as possible. I think the only way you could have made it more authentic is if you had um, Scatman Crothers show up. <laughs> Otherwise, like just magnifique. Um, I would say my biggest problem with the movie is I don't like how, and I compare this to War of the Worlds from 2005, is it's too happy of a ending like it's just there's no there's no tragedy there's no every every problem is tied up nice and neatly you know the, oh they're gonna fix the world and everything's all hunky dory and no one died it, it's just <sighs> except for Wade's aunt and uncle well, you know who gives you they're, they're fucking turds <laughs> but you know what I mean you didn't feel it yeah I didn't I didn't feel anything when they died I oh, you know what I'm sorry when they died you know what bugged me the most the suit got ruined that he just fucking bought that's what bugged me. Because, <laughs> you know, the, the uncle stole the suit. No, he gave it to his uncle. No, his uncle said, oh, and your suit fits real nice. Because he stole it from him when he was gone. No, he, no. He gave him, his uncle gave, he gave his uncle the other suit because he bought a new one. And he goes, thanks for the suit. No, no, no. Not that one. The, 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 the one that he was, the brand new one that he bought, his uncle went down to his thing and. Nobody and knows where his thing is. He, he that's was that's it. the problem is, no, nobody knew where his van was. It was hidden. That's why he went there every day to get away from his aunt and uncle. He gave his uncle his old suit. It sounded like uncle was rubbing in his face, like, I got your suit. Like, he knew the whole time where he was hiding. 
But he didn't. Okay. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> All right. I guess I'm two down. Okay. Um. So, you know what? I I don't have as much to say about this movie as you do. I, you know, it, it's it's just one of the most. I think it's going to be a movie that once I buy it on Blu-ray, I'm going to be pausing the shit out of it. Constantly looking at all of these, you know, where's Sonic the Hedgehog going to pop up? Where's the Mortal Kombat characters? Where's so and so? Where's blah blah blah? You know, I. All right, so <laughs> in the book, Wade has a secret hiding place in a junkyard in the stacks. It's basically a wall of cars, uh. and he has a van in there. It's a, actually it's a minivan in the book, but a van nonetheless. And he has to. He has like a treadmill on there. So that he can um, get the electricity running. He's, he's basically wired the whole thing up for his Oasis stuff. Yeah. Now, here's the difference between the, in the, the book and, and the movie. In the movie, he automatically has these Oasis glasses. In the book, he has Oasis glasses and he has specific Oasis school glasses. He has to go to school. He's finishing off like the last six months of school. Mm-hmm. And that's when he makes his first discovery. So Oasis is actually multi-purpose. Like, it's not just for playing games. Correct, yeah. I mean, you can... It's Life public, there. Yeah, it's public school. You can... You, and work and, and all this other stuff. Uh-huh. And in the movie, it, it seems more like an escape, yeah. but it really isn't. You, you can you can make money and, and all this other stuff. Yeah. Now, Wade has been following this girl. He thinks it's a girl. Her name is Artemis. <laughs> He's a huge, huge stalker type fan. He reads her blogs, and he's also been hunting for Halliday's keys for the last, you know, however many years. Okay, um, since at least since high school. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's call it five years. Yeah, in the movie, it's five years. And his aunt and uncle are complete douchebags, mm-hmm. right? So, like in the movie, his aunt is not. She's as, like a pushover. Yeah, his aunt's not as big of a douchebag. Yeah, but. In the book, they're both on the same page, and all they do is... They're like the Dursleys, right? Yeah, exactly. And they make <laughs> him live in a fucking... Well, he, he's, he's staying... Never! He, he lives in the, um, um, in the laundry room, right? Yeah. And he doesn't sleep on top of a long washer and dryer. He sleeps in a fucking nook in the corner. Damn. And, and he has a laptop, and his uncle steals his laptop from him. And his laptop has, like, everything on it. Like every book, every movie, everything, everywhere, right? Yeah. And his lo- his uncle steals his laptop so that they can pay for like, like rent or some shit like that. Yeah. But he he has a backup, so it's not that big of a deal. But it it it's a laptop that um didn't have as many problems memory wise things like that, so that it wasn't as jumpy. So um he ends up. L- getting out of the stacks and going to his car or going to the the van. And then from there, what he does is he he has to get everything set up, and he's got a heater in there because it's cold, you mm-hmm. know, Oklahoma City and whatnot. So he has a, and and he spends all of his time, all of his class time, and as much time as he can there before going back home. And um, as as he's doing his thing, he can't go off world. So um, he's um, give me a second here. Um, I can't remember the name of the uh, the planet where. Um, give me a second here. Do, 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 do. The starting planet is. Uh, why don't they have it in here? This is what really bugs me about this stuff. Um, oh fuck! Anyways, 
the starting planet is just is is a school. That's all it is. It's just a huge planet for schools. Mm-hmm. All right, and and depending on where you lived is what school you went to. So uh, he, he's he's in high school. He's in the last year, and he's doing he's doing research as like when you're when you're in high school when you're in class you literally can't do anything. Yeah. Other than whatever the teacher's teaching, you can't. Um, you can't log out. Well, you can log out, but you 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 know you you get like a demerit type of thing. Yeah. But you can't um, you can't surf the web. You can't do anything that has any that has nothing to do with school. That's what I'm trying to say. So whatever whatever is related to school stuff, you can do. Yeah. But anything else, you can't unless you have free time, like an open period or whatever. Then yeah. you can kind of do whatever you want. And you can't leave the planet. Especially as a newbie, he has no money, and even the money that he makes once in a while goes to buying stuff like you know uh, s- simple things like a skin texture or you know whatever else. Necessities. Right? Um, no, there's there's no necessities in, in Oasis. There's skin textures, you, or whatever you can you can buy stuff for your avatar. So um, as 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 times going on, he starts he. He's doing all this research on Halliday, and um, he he continually reads Halliday's journal, which is called Anorak's Almanac, um, and it details all everything about Halliday, his movies, music, uh, any pop culture reference to Halliday, any TV shows that he liked, anything that that was in his autobiography, every yeah. little detail of Halliday's life. Okay, and friends, they, family. In the movie, they turn it into pretty much a Hall of Records kind of thing. Yeah, and that's what they did in, in the movie. So, and, and that's and fine. I, I can deal with that. That would makes that makes sense. Yeah, you know. But what didn't make sense to me is so they pull. They, he's not on this planet anymore, and this would have built up the character even better. I think of him coming from nothing to this. Right, yeah. literally, he. Figures out that the first key is located on the same virtual world as his own online high school, in a recreation of Dungeons and Dragons module, the Tomb of Horrors. And you have to go through the Tomb of Horrors, and he starts doing that, and all of a sudden he's he's making money, okay? And he's making a lot of he made a lot of money mm-hmm. um, going through this by defeating all these creatures and whatnot, and and he's he's leveling up. Yeah, and that's part of it. is a It's a big, massive online role playing game world. Yeah. Where you can you can make money, you can level up, you can do all the sorts of things, right? <laughs> but if you die, don't doesn't you have everything reset? No, not in, no. Okay, because <laughs> um, you can you, you you can just transfer the credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it does it does reset, but you don't go like to level one or because you know like in the movie. Uh, <laughs> when someone dies, all their money goes to the person that killed them. Yeah, in a PvP in a PvP realm, yes. That's what that's all about. That's and you can fucking blow, and you can lose stuff absolutely, but only if you're in PvP. Yeah, if you're in a non-PvP area, that won't happen. Hmm. So, so, like, if you fell off a cliff and, and died, your money wouldn't go to everyone else, right? It just it doesn't. Yeah. Just um, so he goes through the entire Tomb of Horrors, and at the very end of the Tomb of Horrors, there's this Lich King. Okay, and the Lich is um, where the fuck is? I just saw this. Do, 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 do. Ah, yeah, uh, Acerac. 
And the fi- the challenge at the end, he was expecting to fight the Lich King one-on-one. He's like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but Lich, blah, 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 right? Gets the sword, and the Lich goes, in order to defeat me, you have to play a game of Joust. Yeah. And it's it's um, Halliday as Lich, right? Yeah. yeah. So he's like, what? He's like, yep, yeah. best of three. <laughs> so they play the first game, and he barely beats the yeah. Lich. They play the second game. The Lich whip, whip, whips his ass, mm. and he's like, I, "I'm just not feeling right. Can we switch? Can we switch? <laughs> yeah, controllers can switch sides." And and the Lich looks at him almost like, like you know, like what the fuck? What are you thinking? And and he switches sides. Yeah. And and Parsifal beats the Lich. Yeah. And that's when Artemis shows up because she had it. She had the timer set because the Lich only responds every eight hours, and she shows up in the dungeon. Right as soon as, right after he gets the key, yeah, and and he's like, "Oh, hey, I was, uh, I just kind of stumbled in here, blah blah blah." And she's like, "What's going on?" And the Lich is supposed to respond, right? And he goes, "Well, uh, he he beat me, I just kind of blah blah blah." As he's trying to get out of the dungeon, she blocks him mm-hmm. from getting out of the dungeon. And all of a sudden, the scoreboard where they had the keys up, like in the movie, yeah. the scoreboard lights up with his name mm-hmm. and X amount of points, 100,000 points yeah. or 10,000 points or whatever the fuck it is. And he's got the first key. And now he's fucking famous. Yeah. And now the money starts to come. And, and once everybody figures out where the key is, they start to come in, right? Mm-hmm. So now it's just a, it's a fucking, it's, <laughs> it's basically a gold rush to the key. Yeah. Artemis gets the key second, H gets the key third, and that's how it goes. And you have all of these other, the Gunters and the IOI guys Gunter. going in there and getting the key. Yeah. Okay. So they get the key. Boom. And then the next thing that they do is they have to actually, so Parzival completes the gates puzzles by playing through Dungeons and Dragons and then, this is actually really cool. He literally has to go through <laughs> and play, role play Matthew Broderick's character through the entire film of War Games. And that's how you clear the gate. Yeah. That's the first challenge. They do that. Okay. And then IOI says, hey, we can give you money and this and that. And you just have to work for us since you already got the first key. So in binary code, does <laughs> IOI mean something? No. It, uh, you know, like ones and zeros, right? Yeah, but it's it's just one. It's not really even one on one, but one on one is just basic, you know, math one on one. Yeah. Oh, okay. If you think about that for a second. Yeah. Um, it might mean something, but I never. It, it might even be its own Easter egg. Yeah. But one on one is just like uh, on off on or whatever off on on. Because I mean, I, I assume that certain programming used binary code, right? Yeah, in certain programming, yeah. but uh, so it would kind of fit if it was IOA. Right? Yeah, but it looks more like a Tie Fighter too. Um, hmm. Oh shit! Yeah, hmm. that's all I see now is a fucking Tie Fighter. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Um, the Force will be with you always. I always remember that because I kept fucking dying always when I played the arcade game, and so I heard that the Force will be with you always because that, that when the game's over, that's when you hear that. And yeah, yeah. So. Um, that, oh, and that's the other re- the, the IOI thing that you brought up is th- that's the part where they actually blow up the stacks yeah. trying to kill Wade, and then he goes under he goes under a pseudonym named Bryce Lynch, and lives in an uh, and then he moves to an apartment 
that's designed for hardcore o- Oasis users, mm-hmm. and and it's all automated. You know, um, he and he has it set up to where he has to exercise X amount of time per day yeah. before he can log into the Oasis. So the computer won't let him log in until he does his exercises, yeah. and then he's able to do his thing. And then he, him and H, who are already friends, and Artemis becomes his friend, and then they meet Daito and Shoto, the two Japanese gunters. Yeah. They are not brothers in the, in the book. And in fact, spoiler alert, in the book, one of them dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The older um, one dies. I think Shoto dies. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's Kaito or whatever. Yeah, it's the older one. Because the kid one doesn't die. Um, did like the 11-year-old? There is no 11-year-old. They're both adults. In the movie. Right, but in the book, it doesn't matter. Okay, I'm just basing it off the, the movie. Right. It's, it has The younger one is not the one that dies. The, the 11-year-old. Like, if you were going to compare the... Because the, they're the same the, names. It doesn't matter what their name... It doesn't matter about the movie. <laughs> One of them fucking dies in the book. I can't yeah. remember who it is. Daito. I think Daito. it's Sh- I think it's Shoto that dies. Daito is one that dies. You sure about that? Yes, because I, I looked it up when I was because it kept talking about Daito dying in the book and not in the movie, and so I, I wanted to make sure I knew which one it was. So I looked at the actor. Daito dies, not Shoto. I, yeah, I said that Daito. Oh, I saw, I was thinking Shoto. Yeah, yeah, he's thrown out of a fucking window. In fact, um, that they should have done that in this movie, and you know they yeah. should somebody it should have been there was just i knew that this movie was going to end on a happy note you know like i I forgot to mention this like when i said about the 2005 uh more of the world because of that happy ending that that had which was done by spielberg it was like did spielberg was that on spielberg's choice or was that on the studio's choice because like his son you know tom cruise's son you know he fucking died he went over the hill and all these hummers and tanks are being destroyed by the aliens but yet his son somehow miraculously makes it completely unscathed all the way to Boston before Tom Cruise gets there with Dakota Fanning. I'm like, fuck you. Get the fuck out of here. His son should have died in that movie. And it was too happy. Just too, yeah. And so and if you think about it, Minority Report as well. Minority Report ends on too happy of a note where Tom Cruise doesn't die. It would have been way more tragic and way more resonant if Tom Cruise's character had died at the end. <laughs> I think that, that that's one of those things that's like either Spielberg or whatever is just too scared to to go into that realm of of more tragedy even though I know there's Schindler's List and and Saving Private Ryan and stuff like that there are tragic characters but I'm talking about these movies that aren't as dark and as serious yeah I think he's just trying to avoid being too dark yeah um Parzival gets the the um one up the the extra life by playing a perfect game of Pac-Man. Yeah. Um, Which creates the half-error screen. Yeah. He, uh, he, he, he's not the first one to get the, the, uh, the second key, but he does get the second key, which is the Jade key. Yeah, because in, in the movie, Artemis gets it before he does the second one. Which is the same as the book. Yeah. Um, but he has to solve the text adventure game Zork. And then from there, uh, I have to read through <laughs> Zork is a um, an Easter egg game on one of the Call of Duty games on the PS3. Yeah, it's it's actually um, kind of a running gag through a lot of those yeah. 3D shooters. Um, to unlock the Jade Gate, you have to use a Voight Kampf machine from Blade Runner um, but, and complete the arcade game Black Tiger as a character from the pers- first-person shooter perspective. So um, to get the Crystal Key, you have to play Discovery, which is... Um, the third, 
the third song off of uh, 2112 from Rush, which uh, then unlocks the final, um, the final clue, which leads them to Castle Anorak, which is where um, Halliday's, uh, that's Halliday's castle. And in order to do that, um, what happens is Sorrento uh, finds, finds out where Castle Anorak is. It was on a complete accident, and he puts this big shield around it. And everybody else knows what's going on. All, all everybody in the entire oasis knows what's going on. So when Percival ends up it, at Castle Anorak, mm-hmm. the attack is already going on. It had been going on for months, okay, or so. Maybe may not months, but it had been going on for a while. Where they were just fucking randomly fire shit. Because a lot of a shitload of respawning then, right? If it's going on for months, it's not even respawning. It's just fucking people firing at the shield. I mean, they would literally just fire grenades and laser beams, trying to weaken it, and fucking like Death Star lasers at it, and it 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 wouldn't. Yeah, they're trying to weaken it. It won't weaken. It's yeah. it's this. Uh, it's a it's a um, it's an epic weapon. Yeah, or it's an epic shield, and uh, they're trying to get in. Now, in the movie, um, uh, Artemis has been captured and is being used by IOI to set up these these. The, the shield units. Yeah. In the book, they're drones. The drones do all the work, not the people. The people that they capture are there to make money for IOI yeah. and not do menial tasks. So that's what separates the book from the movie again. And then, uh, but in, in, the, in, in the book, Wade's the one that gets captured by IOI mm-hmm. by faking a whole lot of shit. Like he faked owing money to him so he could get on the inside and and then disable the shield and yeah. figure out how to disable yeah, the shield. Yeah, it's called the what was it, like the loyalty thing or something like that where they have to work for them now. Yeah, the loyalty program. Yeah, and then he he's able to escape from there and get out and and then he's he's he goes to a uh, um, um you know like an internet cafe t- style thing. Yeah, an internet cafe for Oasis. <laughs> and he from there he contacts a whole bunch of other people. He contacts H, and he's like, "I need you to come pick me up. You know, I'm I'm in Ohio. I'm I'm near you. Blah blah blah." <laughs> What's what I've completely forgotten was the subplot with Ogden. Now, Ogden and and um, Halliday are best friends, and in in the book, James. James Halliday is kind of a recluse, but he's Ogden's best friend. Yeah. Okay. And I be- and I got okay. Um, I believe, and I'm going to have to double check this. I believe Ogden meets the girl Kira first as a friend, and he brings her into their gaming session. They play Dungeons and Dragons, and she loves the game. They all love the game, and they kind of form this tight knit group. Yeah. And Halliday f- kind of falls in love with her. But is too afraid to do anything. Yeah, Ogden's the one that starts going out with her. Ogden marries her. Yeah. She dies of cancer. Okay, and in that whole whole thing, there's a falling out between Holiday and Ogden. Yeah, Ogden leaves, but he doesn't leave Oasis or or, or Gregarious Simulations. He's kind of like the Steve Wozniak or the Paul Allen of Gregarious, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to Holiday's Bill Gates and or Steve Jobs. And he's still a part of it. During the whole book experience, the whole dance sequence that was in the movie is in the book. However, the difference is is that that's Ogden's 
own area, this this planet is like a huge dance planet, right? It's it's just like a it's like a fucking techno beat planet, and like literally the lights will will thrum, yeah, from the different beats that are going on all over the planet. So from the different from the different clubs and 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 people that are playing music and all this other stuff. Yeah. So you have different lights going on and they're thrumming to the to the beat of whatever's playing in that sector. Yeah. It's really fucking it's a cool visual of when you read the book. So they go to this and it's a PVP planet. I just picture one of those big heads going over there and just going Show me what you got. And then the planet just starts doo 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 doo. Like, I like what you got. <laughs> so when um when when Percival and Artemis go to this this party, he shows up and she's like, What the fuck are you doing here? Like, well, I, I got invited, blah, blah, blah. She's like, You're like one of the most famous guy and everybody's gonna be sh- gunning for you. Yeah. You are PvP, you could lose everything. Yeah. And he's like, ah, I got it, don't worry about it, I got control. Right, so they start hanging out. They start dancing. That's the whole "I love you" thing. Yada yada yada. Yeah. And then IOI comes in and starts attacking them. And now it's a big fucking PVP battle, right? Yeah. And the movie does the the one minute back thing. Yeah. And there is no Zemeckis cube in in yeah. in, in the book. And Ogden. <laughs> there's actually in the movie trivia. There's actually one that says the Zemeckis cube is actually a Rubik's cube, and that. It, it it's in it's it's in reference to director Robert Zemeckis. Yeah. I'm like, shut the fuck no up. Oh shit. <laughs> Again, that's why we named it totally useless movie. Fucking right? damn. So Ogden, who is the guy that's running this entire fucking dance floor, yeah. this is his planet, so this is the his rules, right? Stops everything and says, "Get the fuck out of my out, uh, off my dance floor," basically. Yeah. And kills Everybody that's related IOI kills them all, mm-hmm. and then starts the whole dance up again. It's right? almost like a turtle against the Foot Clan. No, but okay. <laughs> Anyways, so so Artemis and 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 um, fucking uh, Parsifal leave, and she she doesn't want pretty much. Uh, really, Ernest Ernest Klein's friend is Harry Knowles. Get the fuck out of here. You really, you fucking, you had to go that deep into this shit to find that, god damn it. Get the fuck out of here. Um, anyways, the whole the whole Ogden thing, just like in the movie, um, Ogden is kind of like this overseer. He's watching these kids, these three, basically H, Artemis, and, or Daito and Shoto, but, but primarily Parsifal, H, and Artemis. Yeah. <coughs> To make sure, to because he's he's more interested in what they're doing than anybody else. Yeah, right. He has a stake in this, and he's not giving any hints. He's not helping them. He's not doing anything, but he he gets involved near the end of the movie where he realizes that IOI is doing all this nefarious bullshit and. They are interfering with the game. They are literally interfering with the Easter egg hunt. Yeah. The game in and of itself. Yeah, because they don't give a shit. They're just there for the... Yeah. So Ogden... Ogden contacts... And I can't remember if he contacts Wade or if he contacts H or who. He contacts them and says... Uh, like like he invites them. There's a, there's a literal inv- invitation to his house. Yeah. It's sent through email. And... It's it's a secure email and says says uh, I understand that you and H are in the same area, 
you will meet H at this point at this time, and you will take a plane, and you will fly to my house. And he does the same thing with Artemis, whose name is Samantha, okay? And they all take a chartered flight, a private jet, from wherever they are to Oregon, where Ogden lives, okay? And Ogden meets them outside, and he greets them and says, hey, welcome to my home. This is where you're going to finish the game. Mm -hmm. Out of sight, out of mind, IOI cannot get to you. You are safe here. We have the most advanced suits. You have nothing to worry about. I cannot help you with the game. I am providing you with protection. Yeah. Okay? (laughs) Whatever happens in the game, that's all on you. But everybody seems to be interested in you three and, and, and what's going on with IOI. You need to finish the game. He's giving them a fair chance. Yeah, that's basically what it is. So, gives them a fair chance. Shoto, Artemis, H, and uh, Parsifal all go there, go, all end up on, on the planet where uh, uh, um, they, well, the planet Doom is what they call it. But yeah, I, I can't remember if it's, it's the planet Doom in, in the book or, or anything else like that, where Halliday's Castle is. <laughs> Wade hacked the castle and brings down the shield. No. And now it's on, like Donkey Kong. Yeah, now everyone has their own has a chance. And a massive fight among the avatars ensues. Okay. Parzival, his see, now H used Iron Giant in the movie. Yeah. Parzival in the book, his his character, the 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 mech that he got. Yeah. Um, that that Shoto was using the little the mech that Parzival got was Ultraman. Okay, yeah. So he uses the Ultraman. He fights against Mecha Godzilla. So yeah. Mecha Godzilla and Ultraman are fighting each other, <laughs> right? And then the Gundam thing comes in. Yeah, because that's part of the book as well. Special limited character. <laughs> yeah, and it can only be used for like 120 seconds. Yeah. And then that's it, bullshit, man. And, well, it's it's a fucking it's an epic I know, special, item. It's an extremely special character. Yeah, yeah. Because if, if you got to be him all, the whole time, you would just de- destroy everybody. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So you have to balance it out with, you know, you can't have like all these fucking amazing things. You can you have to yeah. balance it you out. You can't be right? giant Pac-Man the entire game. Exactly. Yeah. So they defeat Mecha Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Parzival is able to enter the gate and. Basically, everyone that's fighting in the battle wants Parzival or one of the three that are not fucking Sorrento to get in there and win. So they get into the gate. um, They use a catalyst to destroy the castle and all the avatars. That's that. That's what they used in 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 the movie, and it kills everybody. It doesn't kill the planet, and it doesn't kill the creator of the planet. It kills everybody on the planet. That's what the catalyst is. Hey. Bringing up weird coincidences, right? Isn't it fucking odd that in the span of a week, we saw uh, Gundam in two separate movies? What was the other movie? Pacific Rim, the statue. Oh, yeah, I totally forgot Isn't that, that fucking weird? I mean, no. that, just weird coincidences, man. It's just a coincidence. Because we never see, you never see you know, Gun, uh, you know, Gundam in, in anything else that we go to the theaters and see. Yeah, but it's such a huge part of 80s culture. Yeah. 
um, that and Robotech. I was kind of expecting to see a bunch of Robotech stuff, but yeah. I didn't. So uh, Parzival does survive because he had the fucking the extra life from the Pac-Man game. Yeah. And he retrieves the Easter egg, which is an adventure, which grants him control of the Oasis, including wiping out his enemies' avatars, resurrecting his friends, and a big red button that would kill all of the Oasis. Uh-huh. Of course, Sorrento was mur- arrested for the murder of Daito and for conspiring to kill Wade Why and the others. Why is the coffee button right next to the nuke button? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Wade and Artemis meet and finally meet in person and rekindle their relationship with a kiss. Blah, 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 blah. Now, um... Is the book better than the movie? I don't think so. Um, I I think that the movie is really, it's, this is how I see it. They should have done it in three spots, three movies. Yeah. They should have done a trilogy for with For each this. challenge. Yeah, for each challenge. So that when you do the movie, like the first movie would be Tomb of Horrors and a whole, f- and fucking literally war games. Yeah. Right? So, and then you can just kind of cut through war games to all the important sequences. Yeah. But that would have been fucking great to to have have them recreate war games. Yeah. But with all of the characters from the movie in the game. Yeah. Right? So, Sorrent, the guy that plays Sorrento, Ben Mendelsohn, would play, the, you know, like, not the bad guy, but the guy that's helping, literally helping, you know... Um, Matthew Broderick's yeah, character Dabney escape. Col- is it Dab- it's not Dabney Coleman in War no. Games. But you you still you have Dabney Coleman in there. Yeah. You know, you have you have Ali Sheedy, you have all these other characters, but you have Samantha, you know, Artemis playing the Ali Sheedy part. Yeah. And and because in order to do that, you literally have to use the correct phrases. You have to know the movie, like the entire script, in order for it to move on. Yeah. Because if you don't know the script, they will ask you like two or three more times and if you don't answer properly, you fail. Mm-hmm. And that's what's cool about it, right? <laughs> so as he's in, he he didn't as he's doing the war games thing, he didn't realize he was in the movie, and he's like, he's like he, he answers. So she asks him the question, "Would you like to play a game?" Right? You know, <laughs> Yeah, and then and then he's like, "Global thermonuclear war." But he he he, t- he typed in something else, yeah. and it asked him again, "Shall we play a game?" He's like, "Okay, I get it. Global thermonuclear war, or, yeah. or how about a nice game of chess?" Right? Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, and that would have been great for the first book or for the first movie because yeah. then you would get to see the Tomb of Horrors and then you would get to see all of this other stuff and Joust and whatever else yeah. and you could throw in and then the next book is and then the next book is and then that ends the trilogy and and now you have this huge movie this this singular movie broken up into three pieces yeah and now you can put everything in there yeah. And that's and that's the failure of the movie to me. Like they were afraid that if they did it that way, it wouldn't have made money, the money they were hoping for. Yeah, they they were afraid that you know if any one of those fails, then what's going to happen? And Spielberg being seventy one. Yeah. Instead, it's like like I said, they they just have the nice, convenient, happy ending. You know, everyone lives, nobody dies. It, yeah. You know, it just. So I, I think that they they just figured if this movie's going to make money, it'll just do it all in one movie. I, yeah, it's the risk taking thing again, right? They didn't they didn't want to take any risk with it. You know, um I think uh, like that's why uh you know, there's there's not enough directors out there that that stand up to studios. It's cool to see like like see Denny uh, Villeneuve when he, you know, stood up and he said how he wanted to make Blade Runner, you know, it it got made the way he pretty much wanted to make it and then um now when when he's now he's doing Dune and he's going to make Dune the way he wanted to make it. I think he's going to split it into two films. 
so that they can cover way more than the David Lynch one did. Right. So, um, look, I'm not saying Spielberg can't speak up and doesn't speak up about what he wants to do. What I am saying is it's just kind of sad when even someone like Steven Spielberg makes a movie where it could have been a, a bigger franchise than just one film. Because if you end this movie the way you ended it, I mean, can you think of any way you could do a sequel? Well, they're already working on a sequel, and and I I don't know how they would do a sequel, other than maybe go back and you know yeah setting up the Easter eggs yeah or they could go forward in time I I don't know um, I would have loved to have seen them do a whole all the stuff with Castle uh, not Castle Anarch with Blade Runner with the text adventure of game and you know Pac Man yeah. Um, uh, again, you know, doing doing the uh, war games thing. Yeah, there was another movie in there, and I can't remember. It, what in it was. my in my mind, them doing The Shining though was ballsy because look, look for me and you, The Shining is it, that's awesome, right? But look at for younger generations, like a lot of younger generations would be like, oh, why didn't they do ET or Jurassic Park or something? You know what I mean? And so for them to to pick the fucking Shining, that I, I thought that's even more awesome. Because they could have went safe with it, you know? Yeah. Even that music, man. They even played the fucking, the shining music. That was that was good. Yeah, this is the, this movie is like, the story is very simple, and there's nothing like too standout-ish about the story itself, but there's just so much eye candy in this movie that, I mean, you've got to watch it more than once, because the first time we watched it, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to follow the movie and looking in the background for everything I can see. At the same time, so it's just this huge scramble, you know. It's like an overload of information. Yeah, it's it's a lot. I'm they're already doing they're already doing a sequel to it, but <laughs> I, who knows what they're going to do with it? I I want to know what. Um, you know what I think kind of tainted this movie a little bit? Wreck It Ralph, because after seeing Wreck It Ralph, it's like this movie is just like a almost like a live action motion capture version of Wreck It Ralph in a way. Kind of. Kind of. Because Wreck-It Ralph is full of references, too. Of course, it's all video game references, but still. You, if you go into that movie, you remember that there's fucking Mortal Kombat, there's Street Fighter, there's Pac-Man, you know, a bunch of other shit. I am completely staying away from anything about the Avengers Infinity War. I'm not even reading about that. I'm, I was just trying to read about the sequel novel. Um. Isn't that funny? For the third time ever, uh, John Williams did not do the score for Spielberg film. And the reason why is because he was doing the score for another Spielberg film. <laughs> he was doing the score for The Post. <laughs> so Spielberg had to have Alan Silvestri come in and, and do the score. There was something I was going to fucking talk about, but, oh, well, doesn't matter now. Well, you know what? As long as they do, you know, they, they stay clever with it and they don't just make it, they don't pixel it, you know what I mean? They don't just throw in, oh, hey, remember this guy? Remember this guy? You know, hopefully they 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 do it smart because all these most of the references in the in the movie they felt like they belonged there. You know, they didn't feel like a cheap just fucking pixel style. Oh, I know what I wanted to look up. You were talking about Wreck It Ralph. Yeah. Ready Player One came out in 2011. Mm-hmm. When did Wreck It Ralph come out? I think Wreck It Ralph was like 12. It could have been 11, but it was. I think it was. I maybe it was 12. Yeah, so about the same time. So he probably had been writing this for a couple of years prior to that. And Wrecker Ralph would t- takes takes at least two years to make because of the CG. So minimum. So yeah, 
When did Wreck It Ralph come out? I want to wreck it. 2012. Yeah. So, um, I mean, yeah, but you know, Wreck It Ralph was made during this whole like this whole spurt spurt of a uh, of of uh, 80s nostalgia. You know. Yeah. So I no, mean, it just it just it was it coincided. You're yeah. right. Um, you know, I mean, these aren't the only things that are doing it. Everyone's doing nostalgia shit. The concept of Wreck It Ralph was developed in 1980s. It's like almost like they're doing so much nostalgia shit now that it's almost become its own fucking pop culture phenomenon. Yeah. Of, of just <laughs> of this rehash. I mean, it's great to a point, but at the same time, it's like, don't overdo it. It's like if I'm listening to the same 80s pop music station all day, every day, right? Yeah. Eventually, I'm going to get fucking tired of it, even though no matter how much I love the 80s, still, I need a fucking break from it. And But like I said, that that's what's so good about Spielberg making this movie is that it still feels fresh for the most part, you know, with the nostalgia. Right. So I think that's why it's even better that they did The Shining in it instead of something, you know, convenient. So um, off the top of my head, I think first impression with this movie, I would probably give it a seven and a half. Okay. I won't give it a seven and a half. I, I give it a six and a half. Okay. Um, that's also because of the book, right? Yeah. I mean, they didn't, for me, they they took kind of the easy route and went, Donkey, you know, with King Kong and with all the stuff that was in the movie, yeah, and didn't for me, for me, the bad part was we we are immediately introduced to um Wade and there's no real backstory, yeah, you know, and again with the backstory thing, right? Yeah, but that in the book, I mean, it's fucking important in this movie, yeah, that's all important because he literally comes from nothing. He is sitting there in a van, yeah, down by the river, <laughs> and he he's poor as shit, yeah. and he's going to school, and he finds the first key on the school planet, and Willy Wonka, yeah. And he's straight up Charlie, man. He he was able to you know he was able to make money going through the Tomb of Horrors. Holy and shit! And do all that shit. What? Well, look, this uh, slap forehead moment. I look, even though this movie's full of Willy Wonka references, I didn't even think about this. But IOI is pretty much Slugworth. Yeah, you know, because they're the corporation that <laughs> remember they had everybody opening the boxes and trying to find the ticket. All these workers trying to find the ticket. Yeah. That's the same fucking thing. Yep. Holy shit! I didn't even think about that part. That's why they had the whole Willy Wonka thing in the well, no, trailer. No, I, I knew all the other Willy Wonka stuff. I, I, no, they, I mean the 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 song in and of itself yeah. that they played in the trailer. Yeah. Is specifically set up because this is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. This whole movie. Yeah, I just I, I there was just one other thing I couldn't I didn't I didn't put two and two together on and yeah. So. <laughs> That's funny. I. Hmm. All right. <laughs> yeah. I still, to this day, I still love that ending where he, where, um, you know, you stole fizzy lifting drink. That whole scene. I mean, fucking Wilder sells it big time. Like, you feel his anger when he's, when he's doing it, right? When he's, and, he, and like, the fact that, like, well, you can tell that, like, the character of Willy Wonka doesn't want to hurt this kid, but he has to, right? Just to see what he'll do if he makes the right decision. And, so when he yells at him like that, you know, good day, sir. And then they, you know, it, it, it just, I don't know why, just, just to this day, that scene is still really powerful to me, you know, and then where, you know, Charlie sets the candy down on, on the desk and then, and then when, G, you know, Gene Wilder closes his hand around the candy, that's like, 
That's the, that's that's the finish line right there. That's that's where the ribbon gets cut. You know, is right in that moment when he encloses that candy in his hand. Right. That's fucking powerful, man. That, that was really good because because you feel like you're the one that's winning it. It's like you know, vicarious, right? Like when you watch someone win the lottery or something, and you're watching him win, and so you feel like you're winning at the same time. That's really well filmmaking. This movie has feels of that. When it's he really good English. <laughs> um, when uh, he wins that first key, that was that you feel it, man. Like like he's fucking beating this shit. It, it was you know it, they did a good job with it. I I like the movie. You know, I, I think that... Um, yeah, it's not a bad movie. It's just I was disappointed because I built uh, what I expected from the book. Didn't, I, I didn't try, make yeah, it. I kind of withheld um, um, anticipation for it because, like I said, I'm so spoiled by all this other fucking 80s nostalgia shit. I didn't want to blow it up too big. So I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I didn't try to make it, oh, it's going to be the ultimate, you know. Instead, I just... So I think that's why I, I, I pretty much enjoyed it from start to finish, even though the ending's a little too fucking happy and convenient. Yep. So, um, all right. Uh, shit, anything else we want to add? I mean, because I mean, we could talk forever about all the damn characters that show up in it and shit, but I, I, yeah, we'll save that for YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, um, all right. The next movie that we will be uh, talking about will be uh, Cock Blockers. <laughs> it's just called Blockers. I know, but I, I like to call it Cock Blockers. All right. You ready? So, uh, all right. My take. Ike Baron Holtz as himself, Leslie Mann as herself, and... And his name is John C. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that. Should have put it up closer to the mic. Well, I didn't want to fucking destroy the thing. Uh, um, John Cena as an effeminately naive, all-play parents... Or, oh, fuck. I'm doing it again. I'm fucking doing it again. You well, wrote this shit. How can you not fucking read your own shit that you write? I, I, my mind is in a million places right now. All right. As a fin- as as effeminately naive, all play parents who involuntarily become friends and allies when their three daughters become friends together at a young age. Flash forward to senior year, and the shit has gotten more serious than the parents can handle. It turns out that their young adults have made an emoji-laced pact to all lose each other's virginity on the upcoming prom night. Well, those horny little bitches must be stopped at all costs. Cue in the hilarity as these parents stumble to and fro while they try to thwart the irresponsible decisions of their children's unstoppable lust. Hashtag block the cock. My prediction is dumb parents, horny teenagers, and... Aww. And... Is butt chugging some brew? Hell yes, I'm in. But will the ass beer and the like be enough to keep this film from falling into the realm of cheap throwaway comedy? I sure hope so. Cockblockers will not be a piece of shit, I think. Winky face emoji. Hashtag sex pack 2018. <laughs> Shenanigans, party fouls, and beer butt chugging are just some of the finer points of this tour de force comedy starring Ike Barinholtz and his teeth, Leslie Manna. Why did I put Leslie Manna? It's Leslie Mann. And John Cena as the parent... As the parents of three college-bound kids who are going to senior prom trying to get laid. But will they stop the sex pack in time? I surely hope not. There's something about a comedy that would show of-age kids making decisions that could impact their lives or whether or not they will go through with something as important as making the best decision to have sex. By the way, I'm beginning to like... As a comedy actor. Wish Joe would have had that on cue, but he didn't. 
It's okay. <laughs> no, it's not going to be a piece of shit. No, no. All right. <laughs> I wonder if they really, if they had tried to just call it cock blockers, that'd be fucking hilarious. They did. You know what I mean. Instead of the picture of the rooster. No, they tried to call it cock blockers. There was a red band trailer and everything. Yeah. I know, just like, uh, <laughs> uh, what was it, the watch? It used to be called Neighborhood Watch, and then Zimmerman shot fucking Trayvon Martin, and then they changed the name. Of course, Cockblockers is kind of different than someone just getting gunned down for wearing a hoodie and holding Skittles. Anyway, sorry to get too glum on you. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that one next time, okay? And uh, maybe we'll have a guest star like... Yeah, because you know we we would love to have him come to the show. <laughs> That's all I got, man. You got anything else? No. Okay, so should we van for time or just fucking end this? Let's just end this. All right, let's let's fucking do it. late enough. <laughs> Peace out, man. Good night. All right, may the fourth be with you.